What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. Welcome to the Boneyard with Steve Roberts, and as always, I am your good friend and host, Steve Roberts, and here on Maroon Friday, it is the Maroon Friday edition of the Yard. I am wearing maroon today, and not just a nondescript maroon. I've got on the Mississippi State 1878 shirt. I don't even know how long I've had this thing. Yeah, I usually wear black, but I try to get it out on Fridays, and uh, of course, i got a handful of maroon shirts. It used to be I'd a closet full of them, but you know how life works. You know, can't can't wear maroon in the press box, right? I still got that M over S tattoo on my left hand, so it's no uh, there's no illusions about who I'm there to support. But uh, you got to keep professional. But uh, listen, I hope that you're celebrating Maroon Friday today, and I hope it's a payday for you. Maybe you get out and do some things with the friends and family this weekend. I'm gonna clean up around here. That's uh, that my that's my plan. There's no football this weekend. We got Super Bowl next weekend, and uh, it's 24 days before the wife comes home for good. And so, I've got a list of honeydew stuff that I put together for myself. Some things I want to get done. So I'm going to work on that this weekend. Let me encourage you too. If you're in the same boat as me, and you got some things you got to get done, let me remind you: in 14 days, we're getting ready to play college baseball, and you're going to want to be there. So get all your honeydew stuff done. You don't need that stuff hanging over you. You don't want to have to go on there on Wednesday and say, hey, babe, I'm going to the ballgame this weekend. Why don't you go with me? Oh, how can we go to a ballgame? We've got all this to do around here. Be proactive. Get it all done. Don't just think, well, I'll get to it later. You owe it to yourself because next weekend is Super Bowl weekend, right? You're not going to feel like doing anything then. And the next weekend, we're getting ready to play VMI in college baseball. So this is probably your last free weekend for a while. Probably until we get, uh, I don't know, close to July 4th. So I'm telling you now, take care of it this weekend. Be diligent, be deliberate, get it all done, make mom happy. At the end of the day, too, let's be honest about this. Guys, and, and listen to me here. Shift our focus a little bit here, okay? Let's not do anything moving forward for our significant others just to avoid the argument, right? Let's just do that. Because you know how it is sometimes you've been married a long time, you think, I'm going to do this because I want to hear about it. It's true. I think it, you think it. I'm I'm doing my best to be a better person, a better husband, a better father. I am. I'm always a work in progress, right? I mean, you see this polished piece of machinery and you think, man, Steve's got it all together. Well, I'm here to tell you, I don't. But let's do things for the right motivation. Let's do this. You know, I'm going to do this because it's going to make her life easier. I'm going to do this because I should, not just out of obligation. I'm going to do this because, hey, this is, you know, my part in this. I'm not helping her out. I'm doing my part. So I share that with you. So don't go out there this weekend and do it all begrudgingly. You know, obviously you're making your life a little bit easier too by kind of removing the stressor from your life of all the things maybe you've procrastinated about. 
But let's not do it just because we don't want to hear a gripe. Let's do it because it's the right thing to do, right? Listen to me. I've been married 30 years. A lot more better than worse. Not all 30 of them have been stellar, right? I mean, when you're married that long, the same person, I mean, things aren't always easy. It's always worth it. It's not always easy. So I'm telling you, just get out there and do it. Go to bed tonight. Before you go to bed, make a list of all things you got to get done. And go get them done. I got some stuff I got to do around here. I wish it hadn't rained as much as it has because it kind of impedes my progress. But I got some things I want to get done. When she comes home, I'm not, I'm not even going to tell her. I'm just going to let her come home and see it. You know, I don't know. I, I'm not real good at keeping secrets from her. I may have to, like, you know, send pictures so I can get my praise. But you understand my point. I'm just going to you know, get some things done. Don't just live an accidental life. Have purpose. All right, let's thank our friends at Bulldog Burger Company. I got to get a hold of John. Uh, we got to talk soon. Um, he emailed me a few days ago. There's some new things that are kind of coming up. So I got to get with him. Maybe I'll do that over the weekend, too. Uh, but I love Bulldog Burger Company. I always have. I'm thinking right now, like, uh, you know, when the bride gets back, we might go up there, go to Harvey's, go to the grill. We're gonna, we're gonna, I'm going to take her out a lot. And, uh, you know, since the youngest, Ian, works at Bulldog Burger Company, probably be in there a lot. You know, he won't wait on us, but he can seat us. But uh, I'm happy that he's part of that family. I really am. You know, my, my nephew, Dan, was part of that family, had a great experience while he was a student at Mississippi State. Spoke glowingly about the operation, about the management there, about how they do things there. Took a lot of pride in working there. And so I'm glad that part of my family is part of that family. Kind of two generations worth there. But uh, the reality of it is, is there's so many places that you can go eat. And, you know, for me, I, I love consistency, right? I, when I'm on the road, I'll take a chance, right? I, I want to eat local you, know, you get on those Yelp reviews and things like that, but let's be honest, most of the people leaving Yelp reviews are unhappy customers. But I like to go eat and maybe eat local when I'm on the road, but I eat local at home too. But one of the reasons that I go to Bulldog Burger Company so much is just consistency. I know exactly what I'm going to get. I'm going to get more than my money's worth. I'm going to start out with the spring rolls as my appetizer. And it's funny, nowadays when people come to town and we go to eat there, they go ahead and order them before I get there. Right? I, maybe I should take that as a hint that I need to be better looking. And then I'm going to get a great restaurant quality hamburger. Or I'm going to get that great BLT salad. You may like it fried. I like it grilled. The thing I love is the portions are so substantial. You always get more than you pay for. I went somewhere recently. won't say which restaurant it was. Went somewhere recently, and all of a sudden, they have, uh, they're charging me a convenience fee. Well, how am I being convenienced? Because I patronize your restaurant, I got to pay a little bit extra. Come on now. That's no way to do things. I may not be back. So that fee is gone. Why should I be inconvenienced? If you want to raise your prices, raise your prices, but don't pass along this fee to me and tell me it's for my convenience. It's not. It's one of the things I love about the management at Bulldog Burger Company. There's integrity with what they do. It's integrity. They get things done the right way. So if you're looking for a night out with friends or a night out with the family, look no further than Bulldog Burger Company. Three great locations to serve you. University Drive in Stark Vegas, Gloucester Street there in Tupelo, and Lake Harbor Drive in a Ridge and Flowood area. Be sure and stop by as soon as you can. You'll be glad you did. Bulldog Burger Company, the place where people go to meet. M-E-A-T. All right. Let's get into the meat and bones of the show. Like many of you over the course of the last uh, two years, you know, we've been kind of intrigued about the uh, about NIL Right? I'm not going to spend a lot of time talking about that, okay? 
But we have learned in recent days that back on January 1st, as we opened a new year, the NCAA set out some new guidelines about NIL. You and I both know this has been an absolute unmitigated disaster. Right now, the positive side of it is that there's some some hardworking student athletes that have been compensated for their name, image, and likeness, right? There are some other student athletes that have been compensated for basically to stay out of the transfer portal. There are others that have been compensated to enter the transfer portal, or perhaps go to another school, or perhaps pick one school over another. It's been the wild, wild west. And as a supporter of Mississippi State, I ask myself, how are we going to be able to compete? You know, how are we going to be able to get you know the big name recruits? And like I hearken back to the days of like Chris Jones. I mean, Chris Jones, the AP Defensive Player of the Year in the National Football League this year, has helped lead the Kansas City Chiefs to the Super Bowl. He was a great player here, probably a better pro than he was a college player. But if NIL had existed then, do we get Chris Jones? I mean, really think about that for a second. Do we get Chris Jones if NIL existed back then? You're probably thinking, you know, Steve, maybe not. And that's the problem with all of this. That a kid that grew up less than an hour from our campus could potentially be bought out from under us under the guise of it being legal. And it's not. No matter what your old Miss friends say, it is not legal to use name, image, and likeness legislation to influence a recruit to attend their school or any other. It's illegal. And it's been on the books, and you've heard me say it on the show many times before, and just enforce the rules. I mean, you put these rules together, the rules mean nothing if there's not some teeth in them, right? And it appears that the NCAA is trying to get some semblance of control over this process. And it's about time. I think that should have all been rolled out when the program was approved. But all that said... Sometimes it takes a year or so to kind of figure out, hey, well, here's how people are abusing the system. And here's some loopholes that we can change to kind of protect the integrity of the college game. I don't know if this is the right way to go, but they're really changing a lot here that I think is is pretty incredible. So basically what the NCAA enforcement staff has done, you know, in recent years, is there is the presumption of innocence. Now, many people would say, well, Steve, there should always be the case. Well, I disagree. I disagree. Only in, in criminal proceedings. You know, you, you have the presumption of innocence when you have been charged with a crime. I don't know that you deserve the presumption of innocence when you are part of a voluntary organization. If somebody says, hey, you broke the rules here, I don't know that you should have the presumption of innocence. I, I think, you know what, let's, let's just get in here and, uh, and look at the facts, and we'll figure out what you did, when you did it, and how you did it. Now, one thing that's important to understand, too, we always talk about, everybody says, well, everybody should just lawyer up. Well, it's just not how life works. Now, it works in criminal and civil proceedings in some respects, But when you are a member of the NCAA, you have what is deemed a duty to cooperate. Well, so I read these articles like we are cooperating with the NCAA. Well, that's, you know, no duh. You've got a requirement to do it or you could be kicked out. 
or you could get a show cause. If you're uncooperative with the enforcement process, you yourself as an individual are violating a very important bylaw of the membership agreement. But the way this thing is structured now, and I'll, let me read to you from the memorandum. I think, you know, rather than, I'll, I'll tell you what they said, and then I'll give you my thoughts on it. I think that's an important aspect of all this stuff. Really important aspect of all this stuff. Okay, so here is the, the, the rule that was adopted and took effect January 1. I understand that this was recommended back in October, and then in the next meeting, the D1 board approved this. As part of the, you know, they released that little, you know, graphic kind of explaining, oh, here's what's permissible and here's what's not. But here we go. Rule 19-7-3. Write that down. There'll be a test later. No, there won't be. Violations presumed in select cases. In cases involving name, image, and likeness offers agreements and or activities in which related communications and conduct are subject to NCAA regulation, the infractions process shall presume a violation occurred if circumstantial information suggests that one or more parties engaged in impermissible conduct. The enforcement staff may make a formal allegation based on the presumption. The hearing panel should conclude a violation occurred unless the institution or individual involved clearly demonstrates with credible and sufficient information that all communications and conduct surrounding name, image, and likeness activity comply with NCAA legislation. Not a lot of legalese in that, but let me break it down. Bulldog fans, rodeo season is here. That's right, the Dixie National Rodeo. Get ready to roll, man. And uh, I remember being a kid, that was like the biggest highlight for us. My grandmother would get us tickets every year, and me and my brother would wear our cowboy outfits. We'd put our boots on, have our chaps, our vest. And we go up there, and just in case one of the cowboys got a little bit scared to get on a horse or a bull, we were willing to do it. Yeah, for sure. Guys, boots aren't just for going out to a country western bar and doing a little boot scooting. Maybe you got a little Texas two-step in your game. Tacovas can make you look better than ever. Absolutely. And here's the deal, too. That's the thing, the versatility of Tacovas is you can wear them somewhere nice, or you can live life where you don't go gently. That's what Tecovis does for you. Yeah, it's a rugged, handsome boot. It's my favorite boot brand, and it should be yours too. Be sure and check them out. Tecovis believes in Western for all people, and you can feel that when you go into their stores, when you walk in, you'll be greeted like family, offered a boot shine and a drink, and maybe even an adult beverage if you prefer, and you can get custom-fitted for a new pair of Tecovis boots. You can get custom leather stamping or branding, whatever you need to make it feel somewhat individual. Look up your closest store at tecovis.com. But if you can't make it to a store, Tecovis delivers the most premium quality and most comfortable Western goods right to your door. Visit tecovis.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. And you know what, partner? Point your toes west. Today's podcast is brought to you by Nerd Wallet's Smart Money Podcast. What's the best way to help you and your finances thrive? The answer can be overwhelming with all the financial misinformation out there. 
Fortunately, you can turn to NerdWallet's objective finance journalists to set things straight and help you make smart decisions with your own money. The nerds have helped me get smarter about things like planning for my tax bill so I don't dread April every single year. Managing finances with a partner without causing a breakup. Putting away more money for retirement since I'm not going to do this podcast forever. Sorry, folks. And also boosting my credit score since good credit is like a real-life cheat code. Saving for an emergency fund because life is like a good movie. It loves a good plot twist. The nerds also explain the real impact that the latest financial headlines could have on your life. Weekly financial check-ins with smart money help you spend more time doing what matters and less time worrying about what doesn't. Let NerdWallet's trusted experts untangle today's web of financial misinformation. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. For you as best I can. Basically what they're saying is, and let's take this Jaden Rashada case, because that's been the most visible one, right? Now, everybody that is even a casual fan of college football has heard the name Jaden Rashada. You've heard about how Miami bought him for, what, $10 million? A high school kid who'd never played a college snap. Now, I didn't, I didn't buy the numbers. I didn't. I thought, there's no way. There's no way they're going to give a high school quarterback, no matter how good he is, $10 million contract. Not going to happen. I didn't believe it. And then, lo and behold, he flips to Florida, and then there's all this talk about a $13 million deal that's being paid for by the Gator Collective. Now, you hear a lot of things, and if you talk to enough people, you can hear whatever you want. But there was a lot of reports out there when, before Rashada backed out of his NIL, or his, excuse me, his National Letter of Intent, his NLI. There's so many initials these days, right? There's so many acronyms. Before he backed out of his agreement with Florida, they weren't paying him. They couldn't deliver what was promised. And there was some discussion about, you know, that Scott Strickland was calling donors. Don't know if it's true or not. No clue. But if that's the case, that's a problem. If, the, if university officials are involved with fundraising efforts to pay an NIL contract, that's wrong. And it doesn't matter to me who's involved. Now, we don't get to vote on this, but the reality of it is, is this is a test case for NIL and the NCAA. Now, when we get back to the, uh, the statement itself, we're talking about the presumption here. <clears throat> I think it is reasonable to assume here that Jaden Rashada was offered compensation by somebody connected with the University of Florida. It may not have been an official capacity, but somebody, whether it be the Gator Collective, whether it be a coach, whether it be a donor, whether it be an alum, somebody somewhere made a commitment to this kid and his family. If you come to the University of Florida, this is what you'll be compensated with. Now, do I believe all the $13 million? No, I don't. I don't. But that number came from somewhere. 
And I can't believe that somebody would make an agreement or, you know, back out of a, a deal with Miami who was, you know, absolutely kind of flaunted the early rules of the NIL. You're going to back out of a deal with them when people know they have the reputation for paying through NIL to go to Florida, and then you back out of that agreement, surely something unscrupulous happened. From the very beginning of this process, the NCAA says you cannot use NIL as a recruiting inducement. That's what they said. Now, they haven't punished anybody for it, but that's what they said. And now you have a very public situation involving a blue-chip quarterback and a blue-blood program. It's not like all of a sudden, you know, we just found out. I mean, this kid's name has been in the news throughout his college recruitment, and it's always been connected with NIL. And so I don't think it takes an NCAA investigation to make a presumption that something unscrupulous happened in Florida. And so what's interesting now is what are you going to do? Now, it's interesting, Ross Dellinger, Bulldog alum, uh, and I do do appreciate Ross. I think Ross is uh, very good at what he does. He's very well connected. A lot of times if you see SEC or NCAA news broken, a lot of times it's Ross Dellinger. A lot of respect for Ross. I don't always agree with everything Ross says or writes, and I'm sure that feeling is mutual, and that's okay, but I consider Ross a friend. And uh, when we can reference his reports on this show, I'm going to try to do that because I think Ross Dellinger, not only is he well-connected, he's very credible. But uh, Ross had an article uh, a few days ago dated uh, January 30th about the doors are opening for the NCAA to close in on NIL violations. I would encourage you to read that if you have an interest, like if you want to get a little more detailed, because uh, Ross, obviously, very, very well-researched here. And I thought it was interesting. One of the quotes from John Duncan, who was the uh, vice president of enforcement for the NCAA, he goes, if it looks like a duck and it quacks like a duck, it's a duck. Instead of putting the burden on the enforcement staff to always come up with a smoking gun, which we don't always have, there is a presumption. It puts the burden on the school. It's a really powerful tool. Well, yes, it is. Because all of a sudden now, the governing body of college athletics, the one that can put you on probation, the one that can sanction you or put your coach in a show cause or rule the player ineligible or give you a bowl ban, they're saying, you know what? Hey, you did this. Prove to us you didn't. It's a much different approach. And I think a lot of it's because of the fact that uh, these NIL stuff involves third parties. Well, the NCAA can't sanction a third party, right? I mean, of course, if you're a donor or you're a booster, they can say, hey, well, this person should be banned. And usually it's the university doing the banning, but there's nothing to prohibit that person from showing up on game day and buying a ticket. They may not be able to make a donation to the Loyalty Foundation or buy season tickets. They may, they may reject your money, but you can, you know, have your, your brother buy it, right? I mean, so Duncan went on to say, it's no secret that it's been tough to prove NIL or NIL adjacent cases. You all see the same stories. We have all the same information plus a lot more. Facts, circumstances that look really suspect, timing, communication, commitments, flips, transfers. In the past, we'd hold our nose and move on because without documentary information and evidence to confront witnesses with, they tend to lie to you. So we're stuck with cases that smelled to high heaven. We couldn't substantiate them under the procedures that we had. So now what they're doing is saying, you know what? 
Florida or Miami or whoever, Ole Miss, we think you did this. We may not be able to prove it yet, but we're going to make you prove it so the evidence is then opened out to us. You're going to have to provide the information, and then at that point we will determine if this was a violation or not. Fair or unfair, it is a much different approach to things. Here's the reality of this for me. You got to make an example out of somebody. I mean, you have to absolutely make them know it's not worth it. Now, the first case, of course, is a precedent-setting case, so they're, you know they're not going to give somebody you know four or five years probation. But there are a lot of people out there that have had maybe third-party communications with people that might be a little bit more concerned today than they were around Christmas, because in the past. That communication was basically out of reach of the NCAA. Now, the NCAA can bring a student athlete in and say, hey, we need to see all of your text messages between this person and that person. And they, can demand, they can make that demand and say, you know what, hey, we're going we're gonna to rule you ineligible until you produce this information. That's, that's possible, Right. But a lot of people out there have burner phones. They have apps. You talk to people on uh, you know, Instagram or Snapchat or you get a texting app. I mean, you know, you know, there's, there's ways around all that. So you could say, hey, well, I never texted this guy you know, with the Gator Collective. I don't, there are no text messages. Here's my phone records to, to kind of verify that. I've never had any text messages between these guys. So it's difficult to prove that. But all of a sudden, it's like now you go from trying to prove somebody's guilt and making them prove their innocence, well, then, you know, they've got to lay more of the cards on the table. And as a result, some of these communications between student-athletes and third parties will now be within the reach of the NCAA. Because if you're out there trying to prove your innocence to protect your eligibility, uh, you're not going to go save this guy that's, uh, that called you from some collective. It's not, not going to happen. Now, of course, people will get more careful and that's a good thing, too, because it has been absolutely the wild, wild west now for a year and a half, all the way back in July of 2022. It's pretty crazy to think about how far we've come. But in, until the NCAA absolutely sanctions somebody and lights them up, everybody's going to kind of keep doing what they're doing. Again, they'll get more careful. They'll get more creative. But it's going to continue. And that's the problem that you have when you bring in third parties that are beyond your purview. You know, the NCAA cannot put you or me under supervision. We've signed no membership agreement. We're not an agent, you know, of a school or a player. We're not a representative of those people. So if we decide we don't want to contact them and we don't want to cooperate with them, we don't have to. They're not going to stop you from, uh, from being a bulldog. The university may decide not to take your donations, but that uh, doesn't change your fandom. And again, there's ways around that too, right? You always hear about this person's banned from our campus. Well, and then all of a sudden you see a picture with him with Ross Bjork, you know, crazy. But you understand my point here is that I think, you know, number one, I think we're taking some very creative steps here is the NCAA but what happens when uh, you got to prove your innocence? And that's one of the things, too, uh, you know, one of my lawyers, and I have a handful of them, 
it's unfortunate. Thankfully, none of them are criminal defense lawyers. And maybe they are, and I just had to use that. But uh, one of my lawyers one time, we were talking about proving you didn't do something. Right? So let's say, for an example, you're driving down the road, and you hit somebody in the crosswalk. Like maybe somebody's riding a bicycle. They came out quickly. You didn't see them. Maybe you were distracted. Maybe you had your head down. You're changing songs or returning a text. And you shouldn't be because you should have hands-free technology. And you hit somebody. Well, it's pretty easy to prove that. It's pretty easy to prove that you struck them and their bicycle or whatever. There will be evidence. Maybe be some of the victim's DNA on your bumper. Chances are there'll be a video somewhere. There'll be witnesses. It's, it's easier to prove that something did happen. Now, however, what if you didn't do it? How do you prove you didn't do it? What evidence is there that you didn't do it? And you can say, well, I, well, it wasn't even in the area. But what if you were? What if it's just a case of mistaken identity? What if all the witnesses say, oh, yeah, it was that guy in the red car? And there was another red car, and they've got the, 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 the cars confused. Maybe that person didn't stop, and you did. Or maybe you just kept going, and they got your license plate. Well, how do you prove it wasn't you? And that's the thing I think about with all of this. There's going to be a paper trail. There's going to be text messages. And then in some cases, there's going to be contracts. You know, I remember Dennis Dodd and those guys had a story way back uh, last year. That they actually had seen contracts between NIL groups and student-athletes for recruits. And again, the one cardinal sin when they rolled this thing out was you can't use NIL as a recruiting inducement. You can't. But we are. Not so much at Mississippi State. You know, we're using most of our NIL money to retain rather than recruit. But it's interesting. And so, you know, kind of getting back to Ross's article here. A lot of people are talking about how it's, you know, it's pay to play, it's pay to recruit, it's pay to retain. That was what uh, Mike Oresco from the AAC said. I don't know why we're even calling it NIL anymore. I agree with him. Because the, the model that we have out here today does not match the original guidelines. It's wide open. People are doing whatever they want to do. So you, you got to go out there and kind of get this thing hammered out. And so... Uh, Darren Heidner is quoted in the article. He is a, a sports attorney from Florida, ironically enough. He goes, you have guidance that is essentially allows schools and collectives to get in bed with each other. And that's true in many respects. We still do not have a single enforcement action despite the October guidance say that instead of being innocent until proven guilty, schools are presumed guilty. Until that happens, you're going to see Cavalier Collectives decide that they are not bound by the rules of the NCAA. We have an ecosystem where anything goes. There is pay for play. There are improper inducements. That's where we are. That's exactly where we are. And so while this stuff all makes the paper, and we all go click it and read it and say, okay, well, maybe they're getting serious. Until they do, it's going to be business as usual. Again, people will get a little more you know, careful, but it's going to be business as usual. I mean, how many times, think about this. How many times a kid, did mom or dad threaten to spank everybody? If y'all don't hush in there, everybody's getting a spanking. 
Well, a lot of times you didn't take her seriously or take him seriously until like your brother got a spanking or your sister got a spanking. It's like once that first lick is, oh, okay, I'm good, I'm good, I'm good. I, I, I believe you now, right? I'll be good. I'll behave. I'll go over here and sit in the corner. That's what's going to happen here. Until somebody gets a spanking, everybody's going to continue acting up. And there are a lot of people out there that you know, think they've got a pretty good handle on this, and maybe they do. But the reality of it is, is this is not sustainable. This should not be permissible. And the NCAA has failed us. They've absolutely failed us. They failed the member institutions. They failed the coaches. In many respects, the student-athletes. They failed. And they continue to fail. And people are like, well, this may be the end of the NCAA. I don't think so. I really don't think there's going to be this rogue breakaway super football conference that people love to write about. There's too much money involved with the NCAA. There is. It's too complicated. Because if we're going to put a power football conference together, what are you going to do for, for basketball? You don't want to be part of March Madness. You're just going to break off and do your own thing. You don't want to be part of the College World Series. It's too complicated. The NCAA has too many, you know, too many spoons in a pot. So there's not a lot of room for that. Well, Steve, this is how it should be. I don't disagree with that. I think the NCAA has too much autonomy, but I also think that we've had a, a lack of leadership here that has brought us to this precipice where we have basically, basically decriminalized everything. And so they're going to have to fire off some cases. They're going to have to action some people. They're going to have to sanction some people, and they got to do it publicly. Now, I understand what the bylaws suggest, but, you know, once they make their, you know, once people go before the Committee on Infractions and the final report is issued, they, they do make that information public, as they should. People shouldn't be able to go out there and kind of act with impunity and then expect the, uh, the NCAA to hold their confidence. So this is a developing situation. But it is something, again, I think it's worth talking about just because of the fact that it does appear that they're looking to kind of strengthen the controls on this a little bit. Now, how much they do and how effective they are kind of remains to be seen. But somebody somewhere is going to get popped. They're going to make an example of somebody. So if you're Towson State out there, you might want to, you know, head to Mass this weekend, right? Somebody is going to be the whipping boy, somebody. And I don't believe it's going to be us. Time for today's top 10 list is always brought to you by CloseWithBlair.com. That's C-L-O-S-E with Blair, B-L-A-I-R.com. Blair is your friend in the mortgage industry. You know, it's like it's good to have friends. It's more important to have friends that have know-how that you don't, right? And that's the case with Blair. 21 years of experience in the mortgage industry. He knows all the ins and outs. He knows how to cut the corners when you need to. He knows how to streamline the application process. He knows how to get you approved. He knows how to get you to the closing table. So whether you're looking to refinance or looking to buy a home, maybe you need a second mortgage, or perhaps you're you know, looking to buy your first home, deal with a winner. There are a lot of people out there going to say, hey, we dealt with so-and-so. Listen, listen. Everybody's got a recommendation. They do. How many people can recommend a guy that's got over 20 years of experience? in this top 1% close ratio in the country that works for Fairway Mortgage, a very reputable lender. Everybody's got a friend. Well, you've got the best friend. You've got Blair Chandler. 
Visit him today at closeoflair.com and mention to him you heard about him on the Boneyard. He'll pay for your appraisal. And I'll make it even easier for you. Here's his personal cell number, 601-500-2344. Call or text today and again say, hey, I heard about you on the Boneyard. We're interested in pursuing this. And maybe you've been putting it off because you don't want to deal with all the anxiety that goes along with it. Blair's going to make it as pain-free as possible. Guaranteed. Closeofblair.com. Okay. So Roy hits me up yesterday, and I still think I'm right about this, but that's okay. That's all right. I don't mind being wrong. Dr. Hunter Butler hit up Roy and asked for our Rage Against the Machine list. We've talked about Rage on the show. They're nominated for the Hall of Fame. So he's like, hey, check it out. So Roy says, look, I've combed through the archives. We don't have a Rage list. So I went back to when Gordon Griffin was doing the list, and Gordon didn't have it either. I know that I have done Rage Against a Machine. I know. But we're going to do it again. We're going to do it again. Now, Rage was uh, all the rage when, uh, pardon the pun, when I was in college. And I was so empowered by their music. It's like, you know what? These guys are a lot like me. They feel the way I do. Now, my politics are much different from theirs these days. Uh, but... I thought, you know what, this is, this is the voice of my generation. You know, unlike those people with their acoustic guitars and their folk rock and everything else and all their flowers and their weed, you know, we've got a voice. And I remember, I guess it was the 92 Republican and Democratic National Conventions, the Rage Against the Machine guys did not discriminate. They played a free concert across the street from both places to make our generation's voice heard. And I hate that they disbanded. I love Rage. They're, they're a band that kind of changed the direction of music in many respects. There are a lot of people out there that are trying to be like Rage Against the Machine. They're not because they don't have that same level of authenticity. Zach De La Roca, that's a guy that, he's a true activist. He's not a hashtag activist, right? He's not a share, share an article on Facebook activist. He's a real activist. Tom Morello, he himself said he was a civil rights movement in his hometown. He of interracial descent. Didn't meet his father until much later in life. It's a very interesting um, story out there you can find, documentary about that. But Rage Against the Machine was the real deal. A lot of people have an image. A lot of people have an agenda. Rage Against the Machine had a mission. So here are my top 10. Before I get to that, let me give you the honorable mentions. And, and the honorable mentions, let me just tell you this, is the entire catalog. Like every other song that I didn't mention is an honorable mention, but I will have pick out a few. Wake Up is a phenomenal song. Calm Like a Bomb, Mike Check, and Revolver. Mike Check is uh, kind of like old school rap. Kind of similar to what they did on Renegades of Funk. But here are my top 10. And I'll, I'll give some, uh, some kudos here. My former college roommate, Jim Winter, uh, spent some time in the Jackson, Mississippi area. He had a friend named Reeve McNamara that turned us all on the Rage Against the Machine, but like before they were anybody. I don't know how Reeve heard about him, but I'm grateful to this day. We came home, we had the tape, we borrowed a tape because you couldn't find it anywhere. We borrowed a tape. And then like a couple weeks later, we found out they were selling them at, uh, at Bebop. And so we went up there to get the CDs. I still have my copy of the self-titled album. Absolutely phenomenal. So thanks, Reeve, 
And thanks, Jim. Number 10, a song that's really about commercialism and racism and everything else, you know, it's, it's basically about being this kind of out of tune with the world. It's a song called Down Rodeo. I'm rolling down Rodeo with a shotgun. It's metaphorically speaking, of course, they're not really advocating violence. But my point is, it's, you know, it's like there's a lot of people out there that live in a state of oblivion that don't understand what common people live with and deal with. That's the song. Number nine, I think this is the first Rage song I ever heard. It's Bomb Track. And it doesn't have a real message behind it like a lot of other things do. But it was different. It was real fusion between rap an alternative rock, if you can call it that, because I think you know Tom Morello is in a um, in a different league. You know, Tom said he knew how to play the regular guitar, but he started experimenting, trying to like mimic sounds that he heard. Like he he said sometimes he'd hear a bird chirping, and he would try to replicate that on the guitar. And so, in many ways, he's a modern day composer. He's a genius. He absolutely is. Number eight, and this is one of those songs, too, the very first couple times I heard it, I said, yeah, these guys are different. These guys are different. Again, there is the genuine article here. They mean what they're saying. There are a lot of people that sang about things that were popular just to sell records. These guys had a message. It's number eight. It's bullet in the head. Number seven, off their third and final full studio original album they did do the uh, renegades of funk a cover album the final the fourth and final album but i believe this was the first single off the battle for los angeles or battle of los angeles it's gorilla radio i absolutely love this song and uh it's one of those things too that just kind of gives you energy like if you're riding home and you just like you need to kind of like zone out a little bit gorilla radio is the way to go that whole album is like that though Number six, the first single off Evil Empire. I remember the very first time I heard the opening riff, I'm thinking, holy, what, what is this? The only, the, my only problem with this song is it's not long enough. Because I love the song, and it's like just when I'm getting into the vibe and I'm, I'm digging it, it's over. It's over. I wish somebody would like record like a 30-minute version of the song. It's put on loop for me, but it's People of the Sun. And again, this is, again, about some disenfranchised people. This isn't just about going sunbathing, you know, laying by the pool with your, uh, with your white claw. This is about some disenfranchised people down in Mexico, people of the sun. Number five, one of the, and this is saying a lot, this is one of the more aggressive songs, more in-your-face songs from Rage Against the Machine. It's Testify. And it's uh, like... There's a line in there. I won't be able to repeat the whole thing because this is a family show. But we were talking. They were talking about the presidential election before it happened. And it's like there's so many people today that they're they're so angsty on social media that don't know the history of our company, our country. Excuse me. They think, oh, things have gotten so bad. Hey, things have always been bad between political parties. That's why we have two. The, the difference is, is that social media has allowed the lunatic fringe from both sides to have a voice which isn't always the best thing. I'm a free speech advocate, but there are a lot of people out there that uh, are unfettered and unchecked with their misinformation. They mislead the people. Nevertheless, 
Zach comes out with this great line and says, he talks about voting. He said, do I vote for Gore the Boar or the son of a drug lord? None of the above. Blanket cut the cord, right? Testify, song we're talking about. This is one of those songs, and you can, uh, you can watch the video out there. It's phenomenal. There's just so much energy. There's so much involved in this song. It was very important for the time, but the, the lessons that they were trying to teach then are still relevant today. Here, 30 years later, we're still fighting the same battles. We are. And it's like there's so many people that you know, have absolutely no sense of history. Oh, well, this is, this is new. No, it's not new. It's not new. And it's kind of the curse of the human condition, right? There are a lot of people out there that don't like people that are different than them. I've struggled with that at points in my life, too, especially when I was younger. I was like, you know, you think when you're younger, oh, you get along with everybody. You know, I was very judgmental in my 20s. And I think, to be honest with you, I think some of that had to do with me getting sober. I think I had this feeling of superiority. It's like, well, you know, you know I've beaten this. And, you know, you, you couldn't, you know, or you can't, or you won't. And I think I got a little puffed up at times. And so I was like, yeah, well, I'm, you know, I, I look at me. I look, look how, you know, look, I'm Mr. AA, right? <clears throat> and sometimes somebody would relapse, and I'd be like, yeah, I knew they weren't going to make it. What, I mean, what a terrible attitude to have, right? I mean, and, you know, of course, I was in my 20s. I was a young and immature. I thought it was like some kind of contest, and it fueled me, you know, that I had more time than this person or that person or whatever. You know, it's like, oh, you got six months? Yeah, I got two years. Yeah, like every day is precious. But when you know when you're you know when you're 22, you don't quite get it. I didn't get it. You know, I'm fortunate that I've stayed sober, especially in their early days. And a lot of it had to do with my wife. I've said this on the show before. If I had not had her as an accountability partner and kind of some incentive to stay sober, because I knew that the price of poker, I wasn't going to be able to be with her if I was going to be carrying guns and drinking and doing drugs and, and running in bad circles. I knew that she was never going to put up with that. So I had to clean up my act. And along the way, I remember one day we were riding home one day, and I just got so convicted about being judgmental about people. And I said, you know what, I'm going to be better about this. I'm going to be better about this. I'm going to learn to accept people as they are, not as I would have them to be. I've come a long way since then. I'm definitely a live and let love guy now. Like, I'll tell you what's interesting, too, kind of an aside here. My wife and I were playing this little card game, this couple's card game, when we were in uh, Santa Fe. And it's just to kind of help you get to know each other better. And you think, well, Steve, how much more is there to learn that you guys have been together for 30 years? Well, you'd be surprised, man. I mean, a lot of it, too, is like what their opinions on certain things that you don't ever really talk about. And one of the things that she asked me is, you know, what, what's something that I wish that I could rid the world of, like a behavior, you know, like a judgment? I can't remember exactly the way it was worded. And she said, what's one thing that you wish you could stop other people, I think it was from being criticized about? And I said, their appearance. Because so much of that is beyond your control. A lot of it's just DNA and genetics, right? I mean, mean, nobody woke up and decided to be beautiful. And we have no control over that. I mean, like, if all of your pride is in things you can't control, I I submit to you, you have nothing to be proud of. You know, my appearance is my appearance. I'm very fortunate that I can grow long hair and that I can, you know, wear tattoos and that sort of stuff. I can grow a beard as long as I want to. I'm very fortunate that I'm, you know, I'm my own company. So I can do what I want to do. But there are a lot of other people out there that it's not a choice. You know, they kind of are who they are. And a lot of people judge them for their looks and look down on them you know, for their decisions or whatever. And I, and I think that is absolutely terrible. Absolutely terrible. And I see the memes out there. You know, and, and listen, I'm not going to mention any names here. 
you know, I got a couple friends that are overweight. I do. And when they take some steps to try to kind of improve themselves a little bit, I always encourage that. But not much irritates me more than when I see my friends the subject of a fat joke. It bothers me. It bothers me more than it bothers them. I'm sure they're probably used to it, but I know that it, it is unsettling to them. You know, I got some friends that can't grow hair. You know, they're used to all the little ball jokes. And I got a friend of mine, when I first started growing my hair out, I hadn't seen him in a while, and he saw me, my hair was, you know, on my collar. And he's like, you're just showing out now. But he was being funny. But, you know, people make this. Like, people, it's the first thing we want to go to is, like, we can't beat somebody in the argument, so let's, you know, let's be critical of their appearance. If that's one thing that I could rid from the world, I mean, honestly, and, of course, there's a lot of other things, too. I mean, I have cancer. But you understand my point. There was one behavior I think we could change. That would be it. Stop judging people for their appearances. Stop picking on people because they look differently than you. Doesn't matter what their skin color is or how they wear their hair or what clothes they wear, whatever. People are people. All right, back on track. All right, number four, back to the Evil Empire album. And this is the one that everybody knows. They used to play this at, uh, at Davis Wade Stadium. I wish we still did. Maybe we can bring it back. It's Bulls on Parade. Rally around the family with a pocket full of shells. And even if you've never done that, you've thought it, right? Man, they country me, man. I tell you what, you know, right? You've all thought about it. We've all gassed ourselves up a little bit. You know, you get caught in those moments. Maybe you're having beef with somebody and you're thinking, you know what, man? If they come to my house, it's on. But Bulls on Parade, a fantastic song. Amazing song. Now, you're probably thinking, Steve, you must have snuck a couple of them in the top three that maybe aren't necessarily the hits. And you're right about that because I'm a true Rage fan. I'm not an MTV Rage Against a Machine guy. Remember, I'm a Rage Against a Machine, you know, borrowed cassette, Reeve McNamara, Rage Against a Machine guy. Long before, I guess it was the 96 election, I think about it. Long before they were famous. Somebody turned me on. I loved them. Number three, one of my favorite songs in the Rage catalog comes from the Battle of Los Angeles album, and it's Sleep Now in the Fire. I absolutely love that song. And it's like the energy, the video, everything. Of course, you know, they they go and perform on the steps of the uh, the New York Stock Exchange, and they get run off, and the police are called, and, and they were so irreverent. We've got a lot of problems in America. We don't have the problems that we've had maybe in previous generations. We still have a lot of problems. And to sit here and say that, you know, hey, We've made a lot of progress. That's true. We can acknowledge that. But let's not use it as an excuse to say that we don't have more progress to make. We, we, it's, it's a journey, not a destination. We're still on the journey. We haven't arrived. Number two, and this is a song, too, that uh, those of you that know Rage know this one, and those of you that have only listened to um, the MTV stuff, you don't know this one, but you should. It's Know Your Enemy. I don't know if there's many songs in my lifetime that have gassed me up more than Know Your Enemy. It's absolutely amazing. The guitar on it is great. The vocals are great. And it's like you get to the end and it's like an all of which are American dreams. All of which are American dreams. There's just so much in there. And listen, it's not about guilt installation here, right? It's about awareness. But Know Your Enemy, amazing song. Amazing song. But number one, and this was voted a few years ago as the number one Christmas song in England. Maybe you didn't know the story. 
But they have some singing contests over there. Simon Cowell's involved in it. And, and typically what happens, it's kind of like American Idol. And whoever the winner is, you know, it's always some cookie-cutter pop-type record company-created deal. That's like the Christmas song of the year. Everybody goes and votes, and they vote for the winner who sang the, this new Christmas song during the finale. And everybody's so happy, and everything is so lovely, and you put on your red and green sweaters. and you know. But the people of England said no. No, Simon Cowell. No traditional music business fat cats. No, we're not going to do that. The people of England, there was a grassroots movement. And they voted killing in the name of as the Christmas song of England that year. Our brothers in arms, our compatriots, our comrades across the pond stuck it to the man. And killing in the name of number one Christmas single of the year. Of course, you know, nearly 30 years after its release. And of course, Tom Morello says, hey, we're going to go over there and play a show as soon as possible. I don't know if they ever did. But Killing in the Name of, again, it's a song, it's about police brutality, and it's about racism, and it's about a lot of things in this country that people are uncomfortable talking about and being honest about. There are a lot of people out there that, you know, and, and I'll share with you this. I'm not going to get into a lot of details. A lot of people say, you know, well, yay, you know, if you cooperate, things are going to be okay. Listen, I support law enforcement. I do. I try to abide by the laws. It's been a long time since I've been pulled over. When I, when I do, I have the proper documentation. I don't give them any lip. I don't give them any trouble. But there was an instance in, in my life with somebody that I loved where we complied and everything was fine. We did what we were supposed to do. And a uh, law enforcement officer, for some reason, had an attitude with us. And uh, law enforcement officer or not, I made a comment, and uh, he said, hey, well, you know, I'll tell you what, get out of the car. I was a passenger. And um, next thing you know, my comment was I asked him if he, he accused us of seatbelt violation. And what's it, 25 bucks, right? And I said, hey, do you have a camera in your car? He said, yes. I said, go ahead and sign the ticket. We'll just subpoena the records and we'll show we're wearing our seatbelts. I'm not paying a little $25 fine. I don't, I don't care. It's just the principle of the matter. So I look at the back of his vehicle and see that he doesn't have a camera in his car. And I said, well, I thought you had a camera. And so he realizes he's in trouble. To make a long story short, we all got arrested. We all got arrested. We didn't do anything wrong. You know, at times, I'll, I'll admit to you that you know, there, there, there's good and bad and everything, but we have a policing problem in America in some respects. We do. And just so you know, the charges were eventually dropped, and later on, I was contacted by the FBI to give a statement because there was, a, uh, there was an, an enterprise to defraud the state of Louisiana out of ticket money. It's a long story. Uh, and one day maybe I'll, I'll share it with you. But there are a lot of people that will just tell you, hey, do what you're supposed to do, everything will be okay. I'm a firm believer in that, but that's no guarantee. It's no guarantee that things are going to be okay. I think it, it certainly goes a long way, right? <laughs> but I think it's also important to understand that I, I would say what, what, what 95% of the people that work in law enforcement are honest people that just want to get home to their families. 
They're not trying to give you a hard time. You know, the ones that make the, the reels on Instagram and Facebook are, are the minority. But you never know when you're going to encounter the minority, right? And I'm sure I'm going to get some messages. People say, Steve, you shouldn't talk about these things that are political. You know, maybe rage brings it out of me. But I just, I'll just tell you this. I, every time that I've had to call the police, they've come. And they've protected me and my family. And I'll share with you a quick story before I move on. But, uh, you know, when I was getting all the death threats, right, and uh, I had to talk to the FBI again. I mean, I think I, I thought about this the other day. I've had to give statements to the FBI three different times. And at no point was I guilty of anything, right? It's been an interesting life. But when all that stuff was going on, like the day Hugh Freeze resigned, I got a call from a member of law enforcement here in the Starkville area. I mean, it's been like 20 minutes since all that stuff broke. And they said, hey, Steve, we're well aware of what's going on. We're going to increase our patrols by your residence. You call 911 if anything happens. You never know, somebody may show up at your house. And that kind of spooked me a little bit. I'm thinking, you know, maybe we should leave. And then I thought, I'm going to leave my home. I'm not. It meant an awful lot to me that the law enforcement officials in this town were aware of what was going on and was concerned for my family. And, of course, nothing happened, you know. But what, what incredible assurance is, right, that, like, hey, we got your back. We're going to double and triple patrols in your area for the next couple of days just to make sure we have a deputy close by should you need us. It means a lot to me. It means a lot to me even today, even though it's been, you know, five and a half years. It means a lot to me. So I don't want people to misconstrue what I say here, that I'm anti-police. I am absolutely pro-police. But because I am pro-police, I want to make sure that if there are people out there that are abusing their power, those people are held accountable too. And I think we can all agree with that, right? We don't want bad seeds in any profession, especially in law enforcement when they can you know, pull a gun on us and take us to jail. I support the great cops around the United States of America, but also recognize that it is an imperfect profession. All right, enough about that because I'm going to talk myself into trouble. All right, next segment of the show brought to you as always by Campus Bookmark. You know, they're a Stark Billion institution. These folks get it done. There are a lot of people out there that are working hard. Campus Bookmark gets a job done, right? There are a lot of people, you know, it's like they're doing their best. Campus Bookmark does what's expected, right? And there is a difference, right? You need to do business with people that have been doing business for a long time, and that's Campus Bookmark. The best selection of Mississippi State merchandise in the known universe. When you're in town, go by and see their smiling faces. You'll be glad you did. However, if you can't make it to town, perhaps you live out in the mission field, visit them on the World Wide Web at campusbookmart.net. And by being a loyal Boneyard listener, we'll give you a phrase that pays, and that is BSR, which stands for Beautiful Steve Robertson. That'll get you free shipping on all orders over 75 bucks. Any order less than 75 bucks, absolutely income. Complete. Again, that's Campus Bookmart. And I noticed, too, they've gotten a new shipment in of the uh, Mike Leach mock necks and hoodies. So if you didn't get one originally, uh, now's the time, right? All right, let's take a look at tomorrow's basketball game. That'll be at Humphrey Coliseum at 5 p.m. Missouri coming to town. We have had some good success against Missouri in recent years in basketball, and uh, even some of their better teams, we have had some success. Uh, this is a good team and probably better than many people anticipated. Let's take a quick look and see how the Tigers have done this year. 17-5 and five overall, and they've won three in a row. Now 5-4 and four in the conference, 
away from their home arena in true road games, just two and three, and then two and zero on a neutral floor. But they have been outstanding at home, thirteen and two. But of course, in this league, you know, half your games are at home and half are away. But let's take a quick look and see kind of what they've done. A narrow win over Southern Indiana to open the slate this year, 97-91. Then they beat Penn, 92-85. Lindenwood, if, if you didn't even know, yeah, there is a school, the Lindenwood Lions, 82-53 winners for the Tigers. They blow out Southeastern Illinois, 105-80. And then 83-62 winners over Mississippi Valley State. So you've got an opponent in common, I believe, there. Uh, they get Coastal Carolina by 44 They blast Houston Christian, and then Wichita State, they went on the road there, 88-84 over the Shockers. Southeast Missouri, SEMO from Cape Girardeau, Missouri, they give a little bit of a uh, scare there, but Mizzou hangs on to win, 96-89, gave up a lot of points, though. They get shelled by number six Kansas at the time, 95-67. That was also in Mizzou. And you start looking at the early part of the schedule, I believe 10 of 11 were at home. 10 of 11, and uh, then they go on the road and they play in the AutoNation Orange Bowl Classic down there in uh, Sunrise, Florida, and they narrowly escape with a two-point win over UCF. They take down number 16, Illinois, in St. Louis in the uh, McBride-Holmes Bragging Rights game, 93-71. They take down Kentucky to open SEC play, 89-75. That game also in Missouri. Again, a lot of games in the state of Missouri. They go on the road and lose in Fayetteville to Arkansas, 74-68. And you know Bud Walton Arena, that's a tough place to play, even when Arkansas maybe is just average. Tremendous home court advantage there in Fayetteville. They're able to, uh, to go out there and compete for a while, but in the end, Arkansas wins the game. They squeak by Vanderbilt, 85-82 at home. And, again, they're giving up a lot of points. So, defensively, maybe they're not the team that uh, many expected them to be. They go on the road, though, and pick up a huge 18-point win over Texas A&M. And then they lose at Florida, 73-64. Florida's a little bit of a uh, kind of a matchup problem for people, right? They get Arkansas in the home-and-home this year. Arkansas at this point had dropped from 13 to 25. Missouri gets a hard-earned win, 79-76. They host Alabama back on January 21st, and the Tide kind of had their way with them, 85 to 64. That's a quality win for Alabama, and we know Alabama's a quality team. And then uh, for redemption, like everybody else, it needs a slump buster. They go to Oxford, Mississippi, and they take care of uh, of of the Rebels, 89-77. Part of the uh, the Big 12 shootout, Big 12 SEC championship shootout deal, they beat number 12, Iowa State, 78-61. They get LSU at home, 87-77. So a 10-point win there. And again, a lot of these games at home. They played 22 games this year, and all but uh, seven of them have been in Columbia. One of the two that wasn't in Columbia was in St. Louis. You know, they still had a partisan crowd there. So not a lot of road experience and not a lot of road success. And, again, in true road games, they're two and three. Uh, let's kind of look inside the numbers here, kind of look at the names and numbers to uh, to be aware of. Again, this is a quality basketball team. Still a game Mississippi State can win. 
uh, as a team, they're scoring 83.3 points per game, but allowing 75.4. I don't know if they've seen a defense quite as salty as Mississippi State, but perhaps perhaps we can find a soft spot in their defense and uh, continue to uh, move this offensive progression along. Uh, looking at the uh, field goal percentage, they're shooting 48% as a team, but they've given up 44%. Three-point attempts, they're averaging 35.8%. They're allowing 35.7. 9.4 made per game, allowing nine a game. That's not really our strong suit, but when Shaquille Moore gets hot, Deshaun Davis gets hot, we can keep you honest. And the fact that we're playing at home certainly helps. Uh, is rebounding as a team doing a pretty good job here, pulling down 17.4 boards a game, allowing just 14.1, so a 3.3 differential there. They're also a team on the turnover side. They will turn the ball over a little bit, but it's not especially egregious. They are forcing 18 turnovers a game, though, turning it over just under a dozen. But 18, that's a lot of forced turnovers for sure. And then they're converting those right into points, averaging 22.3 points a game off turnovers. So we've got to handle the basketball well. We absolutely do. There's no question about that. Uh, Not a ton of blocks for this team either, just 3.1 a game and then allowing 2.2. Uh, so not a dominant post presence in that respect. Kobe Brown is the straw that stirs the drink up there. Uh, where is number 24 for them? 58% from the floor. That's getting it done, right? Averaging 16.5 points a game. Uh, Demoy Hodge, 14.3. DeAndre Golston, 10.4. Noah Carter, 10 points. Isaiah Mosley, you should know him. The guy that Mississippi State recruited exceptionally hard thought we had him for a while so you've got five players averaging double figures so then you can't just you know sag off one guy and uh, double somebody else they are keeping you honest this is a team obviously that uh, is pretty well rounded Uh, when you look at the three-point shooters here Kobe Brown the leader among the regulars just under 50 percent just 48 percent right there and then uh, Nick Honor is a guy that comes in and uh, shooting right at 40%. A bit of a three-point marksman here. Uh, he has 85 attempts on the year. The guy that shoots the most, though, is Demoy Hodge. 155 attempts. He's converted 60 of those right at 38.7%. Uh, so they'll get after you a little bit. You know, they're going to stretch you and they're going to make you defend the perimeter. And at times that's been a real challenge for us. Uh, but, again, this is a game that Mississippi State can win we got to go out there and play exceptionally hard. And we need a big crowd at the Humphrey Coliseum. Uh, Tip-off is set for 5 p.m. So you can come to the game and get home at a decent hour. If you can't make it or perhaps, uh, you know, it's a a bit of a drive for you, uh, you can watch the game on the SEC Network. And, again, again, they have the full day, a full complement of games on Saturday. And with no football to watch tomorrow, you, you know, you probably can just plug the games on around lunch and then watch them the rest of the night. And then State will complete a two-game homestand on Wednesday night against LSU, and we'll preview that on uh, Wednesday's show. And, again, that's a late tip also on the network. Uh, and your students, that's the pump-it-up night. So you need to make sure you get there early. Go to the My Center for the pump-it-up night. I don't know if you're going to dance. I don't know if you're going to uh, you know, put your little uh, glow sticks on. I, don't, I have no clue what they've got planned for you. But there is a pregame activity for students to be sure – uh, and turn out for that. But uh, tickets are still available for both games. We encourage you to turn out and come be a part of that. Again, it's, it's the new Humphrey Coliseum. Uh, a lot of people are talking about, you know, 
the new enhancements, but also too, as you come, you'll see, you know, that outdoor pavilion they're talking about building to kind of boost our player amenities. That's in process now too. And so hope to have that all completed here within the next year. It should be on schedule. We've had a lot of rain in the area, so I don't know how that set us back much at all. But uh, there's always progress on campus. Every time you ride around, we're working on something. You know, we built that new parking garage. Uh, you know, we renovated the Humphrey Coliseum. Always some new things that we're working on. And I'm eager to see what the new marketing people are going to do. Eager to kind of see what their plans are, what fresh ideas they bring to game day. Because I really thought last year game day in football, as the year went on, got better. It got better. And next year we got eight home games, so we got plenty of chances to get it right. But uh, – you know, always eager to see what we cook up next to make game day fun. And there are a lot of people, too, that have kind of grown accustomed, and I still blame COVID for this. A lot of people kind of got out of the habit of coming to games, but we are beginning to see more attendance for men's basketball. I think there's a couple of reasons that you can kind of, you know, attribute that to. Number one, yes, we have renovated the Coliseum. People want to come see it. There is the novelty of that. But I think there was a lot of Ben Howe and fatigue. And I think a lot of people – see the effort in which Christian's teams are playing with, it resonates with people. You're like, hey, these guys need a little, a little bit of a boost. These guys need my attendance. They need my voice. And it makes a difference. I mean, you heard Shaquille Moore say, you know, when he knocked down those two threes, he felt like the crowd was just kind of willing him on to success. So you do play a part in all of that. And so for those of you that are turning out regularly, thank you very much. For those of you that are saying, hey, you know what, Steve, I think I'm going to come up there because I can do 5 p.m., right? I mean, this time of year, your kids aren't playing a whole lot, right? I mean, you know, you get into baseball, you get into soccer, I get it. Uh, not a lot going on in early February. I mean, the weather is just not conducive for outdoor activities. I know many of your kids maybe are playing, you know, upward-bound basketball or something like that. But the reality of it is, is most people can make the game, those in a reasonable driving distance. So Mississippi State is going to need you this Saturday, 5 p.m. tip. Please make plans to attend if at all possible. And if you can't, we encourage you to turn the game on and uh, maybe lock in on Twitter. We'll all, and Paul Jones does a good job with our game thread. So, like, if you miss something, hey, how did we get here? You know, I had to leave and go to town or whatever. You can get in the game thread and kind of get updated there. And uh, let me remind you guys, too, if, if you've forgotten, college baseball, two weeks from the day. Two weeks from the day. I was just talking to the wife about that. I was like, hey, you're going to be home in 24 days. Your last work day is uh, 20 days from now. And uh, we've got college baseball in 14 days. And she said, what? I said, yeah, 14 days. In two weeks, right now, we'll be at Duty Noble Field getting ready for the season opener. I'm excited. Aren't you excited? You should be. And the good thing is, too, is I think we've had some things to cheer about on the basketball side of things. So maybe we're not approaching baseball season with the same maybe reckless abandon, right? And maybe that's a good thing, right? I think this is a team that a lot of people have to kind of look at and say, you know what, we've got to be kind of measured in our expectations. I'm a little more optimistic than most when it comes to Bulldog baseball. I believe in Mississippi State baseball. I'm the kind of person that believes we'll find a way to win in baseball. And in some other sports, I always think, you know, we're going to find a way to blow this. I don't feel that way in baseball. We are a blue blood of college baseball. And there's going to be a lot of hype, of course, about Ole Miss this year, despite the fact they lost some key players. They won an AFL championship last year. It feels weird to even say that. But the fact that we've won one, I think it's kind of okay that they've won one. I mean, look at the commitment they've made to baseball. I mean, to be honest about it, I mean, it's really good for the game of college baseball because we want more universities to buy into college baseball. We want them to fully fund baseball. And that's the thing about college baseball is you never know from the beginning of the year – 
you know, who's going to win an AFL championship? I mean, it, it's, it's pretty crazy, you know, how it all works. And I'm going to pull this up while we're on the phone here together. Many of you I know are traveling and uh, have your phone plugged in and you, uh, you know, we're on the phone. But the thing about college baseball is you never, you never really know. You know, in football, it's like, oh, you know, it's always something different. You know, that's why we were so glad that TCU made it this year to kind of provide some parity. But let's just kind of go back and look here in the last few years. You know, Ole Miss wins it last year. We won it in 2021. We didn't have a College World Series in 2020. Vandy won it in 19, Oregon State in 18, Florida in 17, their first and only NAFL championship in baseball. That's weird. That's a weird piece of trivia. 2016, the year we should have won it, Coastal Carolina wins, Virginia wins in 15, Vandy in 14, UCLA in 13, Arizona in 12, South Carolina in 10 and 11, LSU in 9, Fresno State in 2008, and then back-to-back for Oregon State. Then you, then you kind of get into a run of Blue Bloods there. But over the course of the last 15 years, it's about the wildest bet in college sports. Right? I mean, because you, you just simply never know. You know, never know who is going to get hot. And then you see these, you know, some of these big names up here, and it's like, oh, they got one NAFL championship? Really? Yeah, that's the truth of the matter. And so we're a blue blood. And, uh, you know, you could make the case, you know, that uh, the SEC, you know, who has won, what, five of the last six or four of the last five, you know, we're dominating college baseball, as we should. You look at the recruiting footprint and the fact that kids play baseball year-round around here, you know, college baseball should be good in the South. And a lot of the better players in the North come to play in the South. And as you guys know, women are better looking in the South. It's the best recruiting advantage we have. Right? But the reality of it is college baseball is nearly here. And uh, we're going to have a lot of fun with that. We're going to be a much better team than I think people realize. But we're going to have to go earn it. We're not going to win it on paper. We've got to go out there on the field. We've got to win ball games, And it's going to be cold early on. So I encourage you to turn out and be a part of it. And uh, there will be a lot of people that will have decisions to make. Because I, I believe we're going to be playing some meaningful basketball down the stretch. And there are going to be some people that have to pick and choose. You're going to baseball or going to basketball. Uh, we've got a lot of baseball to be played. And uh, maybe you want the uh, warm confines of Humphrey Coliseum uh, here in late February, early March. But uh, it's good to have some things to cheer about and there is some optimism, really, in all respects. And before I move on from this, I had somebody tell me yesterday, I said, Steve, have you ever been more confident about the direction of Mississippi State football? Well, that's difficult to quantify. I mean, it really is. But I will tell you this. Zach Arnett has absolutely won me over. I thought it was the right move when they did it, even though he was an unproven coach. And in many respects, he still is. But every time that there's been something to judge Zach on, He's come through with flying colors. You get the December signing class done. You fight off all the poachers. You win the bowl game. You come back. You retool the staff. You pick up a couple big recruiting wins. You address a lot of your needs in the portal. And then today he adds Steve Campbell and uh, Joey Jones back to the staff to work at a director of player personnel and high school relations. And those are guys that know our recruiting footprint exceptionally well. These are guys that have great relationships. And so – Zach Arnett constantly getting caught doing something right. And so in that respect, yes, I have a tremendous amount of confidence in Bulldog football. And listen, as much as I love Mike Leach, there were times it was more hopeful than honest, right? 
I wanted Mike to win big here. I want because he had done it everywhere else. I wanted him to win big here. Not just because I liked him, but because I loved all of you. But there were times I'm like, I just don't know. You know, I, I admitted it. I don't know. I kind of talked myself into it. But you know, Zach Arnett, I think, has, has some raving fans because it seems like every time you turn around, things are turning out better than you expected. And so we're fixing to make these hires. So who are they going to be? Oh, my gosh. Are you kidding me? And there are people now that are saying, hey, this may be the best staff from top to bottom we've ever had at Mississippi State. I'm not ready to go that far yet. We had not coached a game yet. But I got to say, on paper, what we've done is absolutely impressive. And Zach Arnett is responsible for every bit of it. All right, final segment of the show brought to you by your friends at Portico. I've told you many times before, if I was moving to Starkville now, I would move to Portico. We'd be neighbors. Now, you could come to my house and want to borrow a cup of sugar. I wouldn't give it to you, but you're welcome to come by, right? I'm out here in the sticks now, so I don't know. That you're not going to come all the way out here, not for a cup of sugar. You can stop at Walmart. Uh, but all that being said, Portico is a great place to live. 1.1 miles away from the Mississippi State campus, within running distance, tucked away in a nice little neighborhood. You turn off 82 on a 12, take that right on Pat Station Road, go through the four-way stop, Boomer's Portico. Phase one's completely sold out. Phase two, under development. Many of those houses are already sold, but some are still available. And then there are lots available. You can pick out your lot, pick out your house plan, and kind of move forward with life. And maybe it's your primary residence. I hope that it is. I really do. Living in Starkville is amazing. I, I don't want to live anywhere else. I really don't. I love being here. I love the people. Even if Mississippi State wasn't here, the charm of this town is absolutely remarkable. But Mississippi State is here, which makes it even better, a better place to live. So be sure and check it out today. You can start with a two-bedroom, two-bath home and go all the way up to a four-bedroom, four-bath home. You'd be glad you did because your friends are going to come want to spend the night with you. And isn't that, wouldn't that be a cool thing too, right, when your friends, maybe your, your single-serving friends that maybe only come up to like a game a year, to be able to say, hey, y'all come stay with us. We'll put some steaks on the grill. Y'all can come stay with us. Don't worry about the hotel room. Just come stay with us. You're going to want that extra bedroom. You are. So give Brooks a call or text today at 601-416-8075. That's 601-416-8075. Make Portico your next move. All right, let's, in the time that we have left, let's talk a little bit about recruiting. Uh, we'll give kind of a 30,000 view, 30,000 feet view of kind of, um, you know, how things went, but also kind of looking ahead a little bit, like kind of what's next. As you guys are well aware, in the 247 Sports Composite, Mississippi State 25. And if you're curious about that, Ole Miss finished 27th. So 25 for State, 27. This is the recruiting rankings itself. This is based on your high school recruits. Um, you know, the overall rankings are still you know to be determined, right, because you're going to add some transfers later to this class. So that's still a work in progress. But by and large, all the high school commitments and signings are already done. So let's look and see kind of how we did around the conference. Uh, last in the league at 14th is Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt had one four-star player and everybody else three stars. They only had 22 commitments and uh, 21 of those three stars, and that's kind of a default ranking, it seems, these days. Uh, Missouri, 13th. You know, Eli Drinkwitz and those guys had a huge class last year, finished 13th in the SEC this year, but they did get five four-stars. 19 commitments, uh, five of those guys four stars. Kentucky finished 12th in the league, also with 19 commitments, but eight of them four stars. So average star ranking, a little bit better for those guys. 
Ole Miss, 11th in the league. They have one guy that's rated a five-star. I, I, you know, whatever. And then uh, six fours and then eight threes. So average star ranking for them is 89.84, kind of on the strength of uh, a really one player. State finishes 10th. We have 27 commitments, though. And so that's kind of a quantity over quality thing. I will say there are a couple of guys within this class that I think are undervalued and really not some of the guys that – there are some guys on our board that think, oh, this guy – you know, is the guy that's been evaluating tape you know, for 25 years. There are a couple of those guys I don't agree with you guys. I'm not going to mention names. There's a couple that, oh, this guy should be a four-star. I think we got it right. I think we got it right. There's some other guys out there that I think are undervalued. Jaden Hobson being one of them. I think Jaden Hobson and Will James are both outstanding players. We take both from Southern Miss. And I think both of them are kind of victims of the Southern Miss default ranking. Right? I think, well, he's going G5. He's, you know, he's probably 84, 85. I don't think they were properly evaluated. All right, number nine is Arkansas. You know, Arkansas was setting the woods on fire early in the process. And, you know, one of the top ten team recruiting teams in the country. But it was because they had so many early commitments. But they're ninth, ninth in the league. With eight four stars, uh, Auburn is eighth. That's a step forward for them. You know, Harson, those guys really struggled recruiting there. You know, Hugh Freeze understands recruiting. It's going to be an interesting marriage over there. It really is. And I, sometimes I think like the John Cohen experience. So John passes on Johnny Harris, and then ends up being her boss at Auburn. And then John was here when all the craziness happened with Hugh Freeze, and then he ends up being his boss at Auburn. It's almost like there should be a reality show. Like, I would love to, like, have the camera set up, like, in the Auburn Athletic Department and kind of find out about what are these conversations like between Johnny and John and between Hugh and John. You know, you kind of know what they are with Butch, right, with baseball. You kind of know. But it's an interesting dynamic over there, to say the least. Uh, number seven was South Carolina. And Shane Beamer doing a really good job there and uh, consistent now back-to-back years. You know, when Shane was here at Mississippi State, he was among State's best recruiters. And you felt like that he was kind of on the upward trajectory. But he has absolutely impressed me in his time at South Carolina. Thought they were ahead of schedule last year. Thought they'd take a step back this year. I wasn't even – didn't even know – curious if they were going to make a bowl game. And they end up going 8-4 and four in the regular season. Lose to Notre Dame, of course, uh, in the Outback Bowl. I mean, excuse me, in the uh, Gator Bowl. But – I think even the most loyal South Carolina fan has got to say, you know what? As optimistic as I was, Beamer has exceeded expectations. It's going to be an interesting game when we head up there to Williams Bryce. It really is. I'm looking forward to going. I hope you guys can join us out there. All right, number six, Texas A&M. I remember just last year, I was talking about Texas A&M, number one recruiting class in the country. You know, a lot of reports, too, about some NIL broken promises with A&M. Don't know how accurate that stuff is, but you're going to start seeing more and more of that. More and more of that. You're going to be like, oh, well, you know, they didn't prom- give me what they promised. And a lot of times it's not promised by the university, but it's the university that picks up the tab because it's their name in the paper. Number five in the league is Florida. Of course, they were hired, and they lose Jaden Rashada to a broken promise about an NIL deal for for Porter to be believed. Tennessee, fourth in the league with 25 commitments. Uh, Pretty incredible to think about that, too. Tennessee under Heupel, really on the way back. A great year last year. Great year last year. LSU, third in the league 
uh, two five stars, 16 four stars, just seven three stars for them. Georgia, two-time defending NAFL champion Georgia, second in the league, five, f- five five stars, 17 four stars, and then four three. But listen to this. Alabama, number one, number one nationally, number one in the SEC, 28 commitments, nine five stars, 18 four stars, and just the one three star. Could you imagine being that kid, right? But you understand my point. Now, the granted, Alabama recruits at a different level, but there are also a lot of people that are in the evaluation business that if they see an Alabama offer, it's almost like there's the benefit of the doubt. Yeah, probably a four-star, right? Probably a four-star. It's important to kind of look at that stuff and understand it too. One of the things that I want to point out to you too, I want to look at this transfer stuff real quickly. So the 2023 recruiting rankings for transfers, right? We're going to look only at the SEC. All right. So LSU with 11, Auburn with 13, Ole Miss with 14. Of course, Ole Miss had 25 going out. Kentucky with eight, Florida with 10, Arkansas with 10, South Carolina with eight, Mississippi State with 10, Tennessee eight, Georgia has three, A&M with five, Missouri six, Alabama two, Vanderbilt one. Now, I say that to say this, number one state is really kind of right there with their contemporaries, really kind of in the middle part of the pack there. You know, because you look, you know, Ole Miss obviously skews a little bit higher because that, that's kind of their bread and butter, right? They're, they're going to work the portal. Uh, and that means processing guys out too. But, um, you know, Ole Miss with the most commitments in the portal of anybody in the SEC. And then there's Auburn. And you knew Auburn had to kind of flip the, uh, the roster. They had to get an influx of talent. But we just talked about the, the recruiting rankings, and we talk about, you know, about top 25 finishes and things like that. Georgia wins back-to-back NAFL championships, and, of course, they have early NFL declarations. They only get three commitments from the portal. Alabama is a machine, only two commitments. You know, Vandy's kind of an outlier. I don't know if you can really put them in any data group, but that makes sense. But the point that I'm trying to make here is that if you notice the teams that have been routinely successful, they're relying on high school recruiting by and large. They'll go out and work the portal occasionally and get one or two guys, whether it be Jameer Gibbs or uh, Jamison Williams. They'll go get a couple of guys out of there. I don't think Georgia took a transfer last year. They got Rai this year and a couple more. But my, my point is, is everybody is out trying to catch them. And I know you need that special class to narrow the talent gap. But I think the lesson learned from that, and again, it's still a small data size, right? I mean, it's a very small sample size of what the portal is going to mean kind of moving forward. And as we know, Ole Miss is being very aggressive in it and ended up with the same record as State. But you only get really the one year of data, right? I mean, so, you know, next year could possibly kind of put a, a slight trend together. I do think State's going to be a better team than Ole Miss next year. But if you look at what Alabama and Georgia are doing, if you want to be Alabama and Georgia, don't you need to do what they're doing? You know, I know you got to get there. you got to narrow the gap a little bit. I just don't think you can go wholesale into the portal year after year after year and narrow the gap. One of the things that I say, there's a reason guys are in the portal. Some of it's positive. Some of it's negative. But the reality of it is, is you're not going to hit on everybody in the portal. You're not. And I think when you load your roster up 
the bunch of portal players year after year after year, it almost turns you into a junior college program. And what I mean by that is you're never really building anything. You're not building experience depth. I get it. You want to go get a guy, hey, would I rather have a high school guy that's not going to contribute for a couple years? Or would I rather go get a guy that's got a year of experience in the college strength and conditioning? Do they understand the requirements? Do they understand what it takes? Maybe they do, maybe they don't. And some of these guys go in the portal because they're processed out somewhere else. And, and listen, a lot of guys just need a change of scenery. But are you willing to bank your job on that? Not every story is true. And not every story is a story of redemption. You know, sometimes you got bad actors. That's one thing that Chris Simone spoke extensively about, about his portal class, is culture. We wanted to find people that matched our culture. That didn't always happen. You know, sometimes you go out there and you go get a mercenary or a renegade, and they're only in it for themselves. It's important to kind of understand that too. If you hadn't done so, go to dogpilethebook.com. College baseball season is coming. What better way to get ready than to uh, relive the 2021 NAFL championship season? We've got plenty of copies of that available. And that might be a nice little gift for no reason whatsoever. You know, maybe it's a gift because I love you, right? Those are the best gifts, right? you got Valentine's Day coming up too, so be thinking about that. Maybe your sweetheart deserves a signed copy of Dogpile. While you're there, you can pick up copies of Flim Flam, Alpha Dogs, and Stark Villains. And with Valentine's Day coming up, maybe, just maybe, you'd like to get your uh, your significant other book of poetry, guys. Go to Amazon.com and you can get Blooms of Oleander right there. Right there. Also available at BarnesandNoble.com, BooksandMegan.com, or through your local bookstore. They can order it direct from Ingram for you. If you want signed copies, the best way to do that is to order through Campus Bookmart or, or Bookmart and Cafe here in Starkville. You call them, let them know you want it signed. They may have some signed copies. You need to personalize them. Happy to do that. I'll run that, run the town and go sign it for you. That's been a lot of fun, too. I'll be honest with you. Blooms of Oleander was just one of those things, kind of a pet project that my sister and I put together. She designed the artwork, and I wrote the poems. And uh, my agent says there's a short story in there about me and my dad and my oldest son. And he says it's the best thing I've ever written. So it's not just poetry. You got, you got poetry, 26 poems, and there's a section of randoms that I do on Facebook, the best of the randoms for the last two years. And, um, and then uh, that short story called The Cycle of a Son, I wrote that years ago and uh, updated it uh, for Blooms of Oleander. And uh, cried as I wrote it because I miss my dad tremendously. And any of you that lost a parent, you certainly understand that. But uh, very important story to me. And so please uh, check that out. And if you need Stark Villains gear, maybe you already have my books. I have people every once in a while that'll send me a picture of their man cave and there's my books on their bookshelf. Really appreciate that. Maybe you already have the books and you want to support me. Go to StarkVillains.com. We had a bunch of people that bought uh, Stark Villains gear for Christmas. And thank you so much for that. Look forward to seeing that out there uh, at Duty Noble Field this year. Uh, be sure and uh, order those today. And as always, go to jeanspage.com and join our our, our cast of, 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 of outcasts, right? Come up there and be with us, all of our misfits and uh, people that love Mississippi State, people that are fanatic like you. And a lot of people have very good information there. And you can, of course, interact with our experts at uh, jeanspage.com. Listen, uh, life is short. Love as much as you can. 
there are a lot of people out there that, uh, and I've had people in my life that uh, are really struggling right now. And when you love people and you're emotionally invested in them, when they struggle, you struggle. And so it's been a difficult week for me. I'm not going to get into a lot of details with all that stuff. It, uh, it's not my immediate family. I will say that. Many of you have reached out, and it's not my immediate family. But it is some family. And um, at the end of the day, it's become a cliche, but really all we have is family. It's true. It's not going to be your work friends gathered around your bedside in your final days. It's not. It's going to be these people. And so, you know, get out and make memories. Pack the car. The kids will be gone sooner rather than later. I think about that all the time. Like in six months, man, uh, Dan and I are going to be empty nesters. I'm excited about that in many respects because, you know, we can just kind of take off and go whenever we want to. But the flip side of it is, you know, our, our years of raising kids kind of over, you know. And, uh, of course, you know, you're still raising them even when they're grown. But you understand what I'm saying. It's, they're not part of your day-to-day activity. And so life comes at you fast. And one day, that you know, your kids aren't going to think you're cool. And uh, they're not going to want to hang out with you. And so I encourage you to make plans to go do cool things with them when you can. Uh, I wanted to take uh, my kid to the movies tomorrow night, and uh, he has a date. And I would rather him be with her than me, quite honest you. Uh, just because of the fact that I encourage uh, those relationships. But uh, I share that just because, you know, we've, we've had so, so many... So many challenges, and you know, 2022 was a difficult year for me, largely because uh, you know Dana's been gone most of the year working. I've been out to see her, you know, several times, but uh, it's not the same. And the thing that I'm looking most forward to is just kind of sitting around, uh, watching Big Bang Theory reruns or whatever, and just having her close to me, and maybe eating dinner in bed and just kind of hanging out because those are the things. Like, it's not the big stuff that I miss as much as the little stuff. And so we get caught, so caught up in our own stuff, sometimes we forget about the little stuff. And so focus on the little stuff. I used to have that uh, little book, you know, about the little stuff. I can't remember the name of the book, but you know what I'm talking about. If, if It's a great book. It's a little daily reminders, you know, about uh, focusing on the small stuff, right? Because uh, the small stuff really becomes the big stuff. Listen, thanks as always for your support of the Boneyard. But until next time, let's all live our lives in a way we make more friends than enemies and people can see a difference in the way we live. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co.